0: Welcome to The Odds Pod, I'm Ben Hennessy, And I'm Dave Hendrick, and we're the team behind the Scout Comics title The Odds. A story about the joy of discovery,
1: if that is your carnivorous man-cow, discovering just how good villagers taste. As we're, soon to, share our favourite apocalypse story with you, we thought it'd be fun to ask some cool folks to share theirs with us. Be it the cancellation of a favourite TV show, I miss you El House. The relentless hammering of the earth by Zoltar and Spectra, Oh, I miss you bad little planets. Or the terrible plots a little alien called Zim cooked up. I really need to start watching some new shows. We want to appraise Apocalypse, Scout, and Rate Ragnarok. So today's guest, she's a writer, a letterer, a teacher and an animator.
0: She's known for her work on Deadly's Bouquet and Forgotten Home, as well as a host of Marvel characters from Daredevil Dex 23 and more recently the breakout star Spider-Man, Dark Web, Hallows Eve. She is Erica Schultz and we are so glad she's here with us right now.
1: Yay. hi Erica, thank you for you having me us. great thank to thank you have for you. having me yeah thanks for coming great, happy yeah thanks for joining us it's, it's a real pleasure um so i i, I gotta ask like usually i'd kind of kick off with with maybe our weed kick off asking like how they you got their start but you've covered so many different areas in the industry i i'd love to hear your take on on on, on each part you've You've kind of worked as a letterer. You've worked as a colorist. You teach coloring, I believe, as well. Um, no,
2: i i taught I taught lettering mm-hmm. on at Comics uh, Comics Experience for a couple of years, and I used to teach script writing and uh, and uh, story adaptation at the Kubert School.
3: Awesome.
0: So, Comic Experience—that's the that that am I right? That's Andy Schmidt. Is that yes?
2: That is Andy yeah. Schmidt.
0: Okay, cool. And that's uh, you know any, anybody can pick up a comics experience course. is that right? You can get you can sign up with them.
2: You can I know Chris Sotomayor is doing the coloring course and he was talking about it on Twitter earlier. so the coloring course is probably coming up cool. soon. Um, I'm no longer the lettering instructor there, uh, but I, I did that for for two years and uh, and I taught at the Kubert school for two years.
0: Wow. Okay. Cool. So so a writer who teaches lettering, so so you know, you, you must be an editor's dream then when yeah. when the uh when the lettering pass comes in.
2: I think it basically just comes down to the fact that I'm a control freak. <laughs> and uh even though comics is a very collaborative process, I try to get my my hands into every bit of the pie um Mm -hmm. i worked at a studio uh for many years and uh it was a smaller studio so we everyone had to sort of do multiple things and um we would do things with uh uh advertising like we would do animatics uh which is basically, you know, mild, mild animation on storyboards for advertising purposes and testing purposes and such. Um, and we would uh, we worked on the astonishing X Men motion comic, uh, the first six issues, uh, the gifted story arc, and I got to do all the lip sync animation for that. Cool. Um, and it, but it was a matter of like. Uh, you just gotta, gotta fill all the cracks because it was a small group of people. So we all did a bunch of different things. Um, so yeah, I got to, I, I didn't go to art school, but I definitely got my education. I was at the studio for almost eight years and, uh, and I definitely, you know, learned a lot.
0: So were those crazy days, but good days, you know, when you're working every hour at God's hands and trying to, trying to hit deadlines and stuff.
2: Uh, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you know, you know, uh, I was younger then and being younger, it was easier to, you know, work the harder deadlines. You know, I pulled an all nighter not too long ago and realized, you know, you're 46 now pulling all nighters is not as easy as it used to be. So maybe don't agree to, uh, to that tight deadline, Erica, maybe just to think a little more uh, a little more forward thinking on that one.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah. I I find with with the the late night ones like I I gave up drinking ten years ago, and if I pull an all if I pull an all nighter work wise, I the next day I feel like I've just been out in the piss all night. I, it's like
1: mm-hmm. a hangover. Yeah. You know? i'm I, I'm yeah. kind of in the middle of all that we I have a newborn here, and there's lots of broken sleeps and and all that kind of stuff and recently it was informed that firefighters who kind of do a twenty four hour shift um get the next two days off because it takes that long to get over a twenty four hour shift and it's just mm-hmm. To cons- consistently be in that kind of uh, realm of of constant high tempo, high energy, hitting deadlines, it just takes a huge vigilance. toll on the body, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Vigilant, constant vigilance.
1: Mm. Yeah, tough. Uh, too much of an ask. Yeah, and kind of you know, uh, as as you do get on, I think in my twenties it was something I'd laugh at. Go back and do another twenty four hour one, but not these days. You know, it's it's too many cups of coffee just to get back into some kind of rhythm again.
0: Just to get eight hours' work done. You know? <laughs> yeah, but then again we're not putting out fires so you know yeah, yeah. we're not curing cancer
2: lives. we're just making funny books
0: that's, that's it. it that's absolutely it but you know people love them i'm I a big fan of them anyway yeah yeah we're we're making people happy with our our little stories so um talk to me about hallows eve this is like like a crazy character that came out of dark web out of, out of the spider-man book um yeah she, she's um, got some amazing
1: tools and innovations and everything what, what? very it, it feels very new right for marvel to have something like this because yeah. you're, you're getting the you're getting to be in the sandpit with someone kind of very 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 new and very popular it's got to be a bit of a buzz
2: well the thing is is that she was created back uh in like 95 95- Five ninety six with James mm-hmm. DiMatteis and JRJR uh, as the character of Janine. Um, so she's been Ben's girlfriend for a long time, and um, they had announced Marvel had announced the Dark Web uh, mini series is uh, the crossover series, and they had announced that Hallow's Eve was going to get her own mini series. Uh, At San Diego last year, but I didn't get asked to be the writer on it until like a week before New York, before New York Comic Con. Um, So I kind of had to hit the ground running and I was, you know, reading lettering passes on scripts because she debuted as as Hallow's Eve, not as Janine, but as Hallow's Eve, she debuted in ASM 14. Mm hmm. And um, I was supposed to start the the mini series immediately because then she was going to be doing the mini series in March and ASM 14 was in November. So it was a bit of a it was a it was a bit of a, a cluster trying to get everything, you know, organized and make sure that I could do what we wanted to do versus, you know, what was already planned and figured out. So. One of the conversations that we had had was Is she the one who's magical? Or are the masks magical, like mm-hmm. are masks going to work on other people? And that's something we sort of went back and forth with, because I had this idea of like, could it be any mask? Like, is she like, going to pop up at a, like a spirit Halloween and like stand in line with like this giant arm full of masks? And people are just like kids, huh? You know, yeah, All yeah. right. <laughs> um, but then but then it was discussed that the it was the masks that were the ones that were. Um, the masks themselves, not necessarily her, but the masks themselves are what are uh, what convey Madeline's power from Limbo. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun being able to figure out like which what mask is going to do what, because uh, Zeb Wells had written a few masks that he had used uh, that were used in uh, Dark Web. And uh, I want to say like, ASM 17, and maybe I think one of the Venom books that crossed over. I can't keep track of all the crossovers. I'm that's sorry. Tough. I'm terrible yeah. at this. Here we. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and so I, I had looked at the ones that he had used, and I kind of wanted to do some new ones. And so I came up with some ideas, and I sat down, I talked to Mike Dowling, uh, who's the artist on the miniseries and on the one-shot that's uh, the Halloween special that uh, is coming out um october and we thought about like okay so what would this look like what would this transformation look like what would this be for her to have this type of mask or that type of mask and i made this like ridiculous list of like skeleton mask she can like throw bones at people <laughs> or like a pirate mask you know does she does she have a peg leg you know that kind of thing So, I mean, we could get really silly with it, but we ultimately, I mean, there are silly moments, obviously, but ultimately we wanted to take it to a place of, you know, where it has a lot of heart. Cause I think one of the things that both she and Ben have in common is the fact that like, they're all hard on the sleeve kind of characters. Yeah. Um, So you really, I really wanted to show that, you know, deep down, you know, she's not, uh, a super villain bad guy, she's doing this because the love of her life is, you know, in trouble and needs her help.
1: Yeah. It's it's gonna be an interesting character to play with in the Spider-Man universe as well, because where Spidey is like, you know, great power comes, great responsibility, like Janine kind of is out for herself and doesn't really think about anyone else. And uh oh, apart from apart from Ben. Yeah, yeah. Apart from Ben, you know, they kind of yeah. have their thing together. But she's kind of been treated uh, tough and done hard by by the world so her response is to do that back which is the opposite to Peter Parker in a way you know where he'd do whatever he could for anyone he could uh, that's that's like that's gotta be kind of like you get to play around with the antithesis of, of Spider-Man in the Spider-Man universe it's yeah good, it's a nice foil it's yeah, hmm. yeah. Like it yeah yeah is... and I think go
2: for it. I think Peter has difficulty understanding her motivations um and and Janine isn't out to hurt anybody her her main goal is me and ben against Mm -hmm. the world and ultimately they just want to be left alone like they want to go to their you know find an island where nobody knows them and just live their lives together if that means that you've to get there you've got to go through some people well collateral damage is collateral damage you know um so her ultimate goal is literally just I want to steal as much money, gather as much money, do whatever I have to do to get enough money that we won't have to keep looking over our shoulder. It'll be me, Ben, and we don't bother anybody, and nobody bothers us because they don't know who we are.
1: That's cool. I'm like, what's what's it like? What's it like writing Ben because he's kind of he's been many different Bens really in the Spider-Man universe. He's kind of been a crazy villain to your really nice boy next door kind of stuff, like like yeah go for it
2: ben has just gone through like there was one story arc where like ben was part of this cult who was like resurrecting people and he was going to resurrect uncle ben i mean like really you know twirl mustache kind (laughs) of evil stuff and then it was just oh well ben's just this sort of lost soul i mean I kind of, I feel really bad for him because like he, he doesn't know who he was, like who he is when he first started out, he was just sort of like, you know, even more sulky Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Now yep. he's like, you know, super bad. Um, and, and now he's very repentant. I mean, he's sitting in, in jail, in limbo, you know, um,
3: trying yeah, to make yeah yeah. Yeah just spending yes, his time sitting yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, a bump on a log yeah um and uh he's just sitting there um wasting away but it's it's i guess i guess it's a prison of the mind where yeah. he uh he has to sort of come to grips with what he's done and everything um in that last issue of dark web mm-hmm. There's the last time we see Janine, Ben literally just opens a portal and shoves her into it because he knows that his end is nigh. Yeah. So he just wants to get her out of there. Um, and that's the last time that we see her until we pick up at, uh, with Hallow's Eve number one. Um, but yeah, Ben, Ben is tough because like you said, he has been so many things, but You want to keep him consistent. I mean, this is a guy who literally said, I'm king of limbo, has Janine, not Janine, excuse me, has Madeline's staff, had like almost like a spawn, you know, splash page. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, then he was like, Yeah, I'm not going to win. This sucks. And just like sits on the curb. Yeah. Yeah. And like, okay, take me in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of helped a field for the guy. I, he's he's been one of my favorite characters uh, for years and years because he's like I, I think one of the first years of Spider Man I bought, he was in it, and I, I didn't know there could have been more than one Peter Parker. You know, I think there was three of them. But uh, yeah, he's been the Kane. one I kind of stuck with. Kane, exactly. Yeah. Kane Parker. But yeah. Kane was like
2: scarred, and he was like a, a psychopath, and he mm. was scarred and everything. That was the that was the clone conspiracy lost years, right?
1: Yeah, that's yeah. the one exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I used to have to pick it up in my local here with the um, Astonishing Spider-Man. It wasn't even amazing. It was some kind of collector's edition thing that they, they keep bringing out and then re-releasing. They started them again recently. That was a reprint. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of reprints. You get out three or four or something and then a classic yeah, yeah. one from I like, think Golden Era and, and the very back or something. Those but, old uh, Panini ones. the mind. Got me hooked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. just a business.
0: I, um, I've never been a fan of Ben's. Ever. Now, I'm older than you, Ben Hennessy. <laughs> um... By by a good few years. And uh, you know, I was I was uh Peter all the way, you know. And then the clown thing happened. It just it didn't it didn't take for me, you know. Um mm-hmm. but I do not
2: even when Ben thought that he was the prime.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was okay. Yeah, but but you know, it, there was there was great conflict there as well. But but I think now this iteration of Ben is really interesting because he's at that point where you don't know what he's gonna do next like yeah, he's in limbo and he's atoning for his sins and you know all all the stuff he did is chasm and everything but it's you know we're we're all kind of waiting for the the next thing he does because he's gonna to have to make when he eventually gets out and I'm sure it will be a huge story, but he's gonna to have to make some big decisions. He's going to have to make some big decisions around Janine. He's going to have to make some big decisions around his own existence. Um, And that's going to be really interesting because he could go, you know, he could do a complete 180 on where he is right now. He could go, you know, he could go anywhere, you know, know, and then then he's got all this power now as well. So um, yeah, he's, he's, I think he's far more interesting now. Um, It's the, it's the first. I do
2: uh, wonder though, if he, Sorry, I was going to say, I do wonder, though, if when he leaves Limbo, if he's going to lose that power, because it was Madeline and Limbo that gave him that power. So I'm wondering if when, when you know, he served his sentence and he does leave, mm. if he's just going to be, if, if he's going to have any power at all, is he going to even have a spider abilities? Yeah. Like, so...
1: Oh That'd god. Be I, I'd be devastated if he lost everything. I, mean, I feel like he's lost enough. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Like
0: I mean you you yeah. depower you mm. depower Ben and you put him in Peter's world and he's a great ally. Like he's oh you know, he's he's someone who's on the street and he you know he he know he knows how to how to handle himself. I you know, a depowered Ben could be really interesting. I
1: just worry for him. <laughs> like <Nah>. that's all <laughs> you're no, too emotionally just, involved he's, he's he's you, you, yeah you
2: realise yeah. these are fictional characters right no
1: no he's real right he's like Santa yeah
0: yeah
4: <laughs> he's
2: like Santa <laughs>
0: <laughs> just in case you listen kids Santa great guy um, so great yeah great guy the best yeah. It's almost been almost as good uh, as Ben. Yeah. It's yeah, it's been it's been a ramacaster for Ben, and it's like it's 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 continuing. Um, but Janine, my God, like uh, there's so much going on with this character. Like her, I love the masks. I just think it's such a neat mm. innovation. And I don't think we are anywhere near the you know, reaching the potential of that one. Um, you know, and then you're working in this really weird corner of the uni- of the Marvel Universe of 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 Spider Man's side of the Marvel Universe because you know you, you you distill it down and you're you're in the kind of magical area where Spidey is by no means comfortable. I mean, especially with everything he's been through the last couple of years. And there's in in the new issue that came out in the new uh, ASM annual that just came out. Go get it, guys! It's fantastic. Um, you were talking about how Peter. Has an issue, has issues relating to Janine, and there's this lovely—I won't spoil it—but there's this, this, this lovely conversation between the two of them, which really exemplifies that, I think, and it just shows the the frustration that Peter feels about not necessarily about her, but about the powers he's up against in the, in those scenarios, and it's it's a really small moment but it's conveyed so well, I think. And it's just kind of, oh, you know, he's just, he's up against it. He doesn't know how to, how to deal with it. Um, And I think, I don't know. I think there's loads of fun in putting Peter in those kind of situations as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, despite the fact that he, well, yeah, I think, I think Peter, despite the fact that he has, you know, these abilities that normal humans don't have, he is still a science-based character. And because he's science-based, anything magical or mystical partnering him with Dr. Strange or Wanda or even uh, eliana any of the characters that have any magical, mystical um, uh, abilities uh, th- throws him on the back foot immediately because he's kind of like... And this is, and I thought this even prior to what they were doing in the films, but he, he does kind of have this idea of like science is the way um, almost like Tony Stark. And, and we saw that in the, in civil war, even like when he got the iron spider suit and everything, um, which I thought was so funny that in the film, they gave him the four arms instead of the three. Yeah. <laughs> Cause in the comic, he only had three yeah. arms.
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, but I think that you know Peter wants to understand things and as a science-based character just saying hell I don't I don't get it is is kind of difficult. kind of difficult for him it's I mean Tony would never say it because Tony's too much of a narcissist but yeah. um, but I think it's interesting to see, to see Peter on his back foot and then how he's going to adapt to the situation. but I think Peter is a lot more malleable than some people make Mm -hmm. him sometimes sometimes i think some people write him really rigid um and other times people write him a little looser um and a little more um where basically like he he has rules that he doesn't break obviously he doesn't kill he doesn't do this he doesn't do that but there are some times that he will break a rule because it's like a matter of survival Mm -hmm. and i think that I think that that shows that he he has a lot more human because I think, you know, with all of these characters, I mean, it's all it's a morality play. It all it is. I mean, and it goes all the way back to, you know, ancient Greece story, you know, ancient storytelling from ancient Greece and everywhere else. Um, Not like Greece was the only place in the ancient world. Um, But this idea of, you know, these characters are the paragon of morality, of courage, of strength, of, you know, justice and things like that. But what makes them relatable to the audience is their humanity, is watching them falter Mm -hmm. um, because they are aspirational, but they also have to be relatable. Uh, Because if you, you know, write a character that is perfect in every possible way, then you're like then what is the what does the um audience have to grasp onto you know what they have to see themselves the audience has to see themselves in that character one way or another Um, and if your character is way too perfect then it's it's rough for the audience to get that and then you don't make that connection I don't
1: know. No, just, that, that sounds. Good. I mean, you just said they're like uh, making someone aspirational but relatable. I've heard people try to say that for years and, and say bits like that, but never quite so eloquently. That's uh, that speaks volumes. Um, your it sound, sounds I- like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it sounds like you kind of have a little bit of free reign here. I, I was kind of wondering, like, because you know, it's Marvel. Um, just just how much you get to really play in that sandpit like are, are like you you said like you got to kind of muck around with her her mask a bit like do you have to sit down and go through and okay things with people or is it somewhere like i want to try this one and it's going to be really crazy but it's going to pay off in this and it's, it's maybe similar to what someone else did before or, or is it very much like we need a mask that shrinks things or something or something quite specific that you have to adhere to
2: I, well, I I didn't want anything with a mask that would shrink things because I, I I wanted to stay within a power set that wasn't going to be, um, that wasn't going to be able to be replicated by one of the Avengers or one of the X-Men or something like that. I guess the werewolf mask could have been countered by Wolfsbane, but, uh, I don't believe that Wolfsbane was in the dark web, but I mean, in a more general sense, I, Mm -hmm. um, my process is I tend to outline everything ahead of time. And I want, I want to tell fun stories, but I also don't want to step on anybody's toes. I mean, Mm -hmm. we all have bills to pay. I'm, you know, I'm not a corporate shill, but I have a mortgage. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so I want to, I want to make sure that the story that I tell isn't going to up and isn't going to be catastrophic to the Marvel universe, mm-hmm. but is still going to be able to be a nice little fun, little pocket thing, which is why I tend to, I like to t- tell stories in, in short periods of time mm-hmm. because not a lot, you can't, not that many catastrophic things can happen in a short period of time. So basically the the moon is full for three days so the entire five issues of Hollow's Eve, that five-issue miniseries, takes place over three days. And then, you know, the epilogue, which is the last few pages of issue five, mm-hmm. is a couple of weeks later. But that the, but the you know, 90% of that miniseries takes place over three days. Because I figure, I can't screw things up that badly. <laughs> in three days. I don't know. You know? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> hold my beer. um <laughs> so so like but I mean I tend to i outline everything I send it to the editors uh I say you know look this is where my head is at am i barking up the wrong tree or what mm-hmm. um and then I wait for them to get back to me and sometimes it takes a little bit longer than I would love uh for <laughs> them to get back to me
1: it's always the way. But, isn't
2: you know, I I do a lot of waiting. Yeah. Um. Because I I I mean I'm not saying this to sound, uh, egocentric at all, but I I tend to work pretty fast when I have a, when I have like a direct path, I will sprint down it, and then it's a lot of like sitting around and waiting, and, um. So if I don't get an answer in like a week for my outline, I'll be like. Well, you know, just start writing it because the days are peeling off the calendar and yeah. the deadline's not moving. So I'll start writing, and then um, I usually get notes back, and then I'll reconcile what I've already written with what the notes are. Mm-hmm. But my outlines are are pretty are pretty detailed in the sense that, you know, if I I'll do an outline for the whole arc, and then I will do an outline for each specific uh, issue. And um, I I want I want the editors to know that I'm playing ball, Mm -hmm. but there are things that I will still push back on. Um, There was there was something I had a conversation with an editor where they said something to the tune of, well, so and so has to lose because they always because in in the Marvel Universe, these characters always lose. And I said, yeah, but it's but this is going to be different. Like we're going to be different here. And I think it'll be more surprising. It'll be more impactful if we give them the win. Mm -hmm. And that was a back and forth, but ultimately I, I mean, and I'm not aggressive, but I'm like, no, really, I think this is going to work. I think it's, you know, just, I know you don't know me really well, but please trust me. Um, (laughs) so ultimately they did say, okay, you know what, do it your way. And we'll see what happens. And, uh, and it ended up working out and they, you know, and they awesome. came back and said, you know what, you were right. And I'm like, Hey, that's the word. Those are the words. Every woman wants to hear from a
1: man. <laughs> I'm not surprised um, because like your volume of work would speak for itself. You know I mean? That that should g- gain a level of trust on its own, you know?
2: Well, you know, when you do a lot of independent work, um, you have a lot of free, I mean, with image, image doesn't have editors, basically whatever you hand them is what they put on the shelf. You know, they have somebody who will, um, who will copy edit it, you know, tell you where your commas go, but they're not Mm going to edit. They're not going to edit your content. They're not going to edit your story, which is why on all my independent work, I always hire an editor because editors having been an editor, I mean, you're the guardrails You know, you sit down with the creator and or at least in in my case as an editor, I sit down with the with the writer and the artist and I say, okay, this is your your log line. You know, how do you want to get here? Um, I tend to think of things in four to six issue story arcs, because in my mind, I'm never going to get hired again. So just tell the story that you're that you want to tell and make it in a nice compact thing so they can make it into a trade paperback and then mm-hmm. never sell any of them. Uh, <laughs> so I tend to think, okay, four to four to six issue story arcs um, tell that story. And some people have more of like a very meandering kind of Miyazaki way of telling a story, yeah. you know, with 900 side quests, which has its own place. But a lot of times, especially with my independent work, I'm paying the artists. So I mm-hmm. can't, you know, pay for a 400 issue run. Yeah. Like I got to do five issues, get in, get out, quit messing about. Um, and so I tend to try and be as succinct as possible. And that's where, you know, writing things that only happen within a week or only happen within three days helps because mm-hmm. you have a physical um, constraint of time, you know? Um, yeah. 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 So, so there's literally only 24 hours in the day. I mean, unless like you're talking about a story like forgotten home where, you know, we had time was slower um, when you were in Janata, but in general it, it, the idea is to just like get it done and find the cleanest path through. Um, So when I, I mean, that's the way I try and work as, as a writer, that's also the way I try and work as an editor so I want the editors to say, no, you can be a little more loosey-goosey with this, or no, we need to stay on this very rigid path. Um, because, I don't know, depending on my mood, I'll, I'll you know, be like, hey, you know what would be really funny? If there was this giant, like, hot air balloon thing that was happening in Long Island, and just all the hot air balloons just went like there was this huge gust of wind and they all start flying over Manhattan and there's Peter Parker trying to like tie up all these hot air balloons as they're like going crazy. And the editor would just look at me and be like, what did you smoke this morning? Like (laughs) what is going on? Like, I thought we were doing a story about, you know, Janine trying to break Ben out of jail. Like, Oh no, but the hot air balloon thing would be great. Yeah. So you need editors. You need to be able to, to, keep on that straight and narrow um but yeah because independent work a lot of times people don't have editors either because mm-hmm. they can't afford them or because the the material is so precious to them that they don't want to be edited and i, I get that yeah. nobody wants to be told that your magnum opus should make more sense <laughs>
3: you know
2: <laughs> yeah. um i mean i've i've had people try and hire me and I say, I will edit your work. And they're like, no, 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 that's what I need. And I'm like, it's not what you want. I'm telling you right now, it's not what you want.
1: Yeah. You can't be precious. I see where you're coming from there. You, You gotta be able to take the good with the bad just to make the product what you really want it to be in the end anyway, you know?
2: Well, I think it comes down to anybody can write comics. Anybody can write and draw comics. Not everyone can do it professionally and not everybody can make a career out of it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And in the U.S., because we don't have uh, national health care. Um, a lot of people do have day jobs or their partners or spouses have yeah. a job with healthcare. care. Um, and, and that is actually it's funny because I, I was at the London Film and Comic-Con a few weeks ago, and that was a conversation I was having with some of the other artists who were from Europe and the U.K., And I was saying, you know, a lot of writers or a lot of artists have day jobs in the US and they cannot devote their time to the craft because they have to have a job. And they're like, well, I don't understand. Like, why can't I'm like, because unfortunately, in the 1940s, some idiot lobbyist decided that your health insurance was going to be tied to your to your job. Yeah, it's insane. And if you don't and because and that's just the way it is in the United States. And you know, if you my husband and I, my husband's also a freelancer and he pay we pay independent health insurance, and it's like a second mortgage every yeah, month yeah, yeah. to pay for independent health insurance. Um, so a lot of people I'm I have been extremely fortunate to get as much work that as I have gotten to be able to afford to pay for health insurance. But I mean, a lot of people in the US don't have that opportunity and, and it's, it's frustrating, but um, that is something that I think people just in general need to sort of think about when they're framing the idea of, well, oh, so-and-so has a day job. Well, where is so-and-so? Is so-and-so in Canada or are they in the U S because if they're in Canada, then yeah, they have a day job, but their day job is there for other reasons. If they're in the U S they have a day job. Literally for health insurance.
0: Mm. Hallow's Eve, right? Back to her. Like, I find her fascinating. I think we're only at the only at the 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 tip of the, the iceberg with her. Um like a lot of people are you know shouting about Spider Spider Boy, Spider Boy's everywhere at the moment, Spider Boy. But I think Hallow's Eve opens up a whole new world for, for Spidey fans and you know will attract all new fans into into Spider Man. Um absolutely yeah, I mean, she's you know she she's just she's just that kind of character that you know we're I think you're going to uh, have you already seen cosplayers run around as Hallow's Eve. I think we're going to see.
2: I have yeah. not. Yeah. So I have. Uh, I did not see the only show that I did when Halloween Eve was the miniseries was out was the London Film Comic Con, and I did not see any Halloween Eve cosplayers. But a Twitter a Twitter follower sent me a tweet saying that they saw a Hallows Eve cosplayer at San Diego.
4: Wow. I think we're going to see a lot more of
2: them. I'm hoping to see Hallows Eve cosplayers at New York.
1: Yeah. That'd be cool. She's such a good character. She's an agent of chaos. You know, I just love it. Also, like a genius move by by the powers that be a marvel
0: to create that character there's halloween every year you know like she's gonna own it there's gonna be halloween specials with her you know I, I you know for for years to come i'm sure um and it. i it hope just, and i hope i get to work
2: out. with mike dowling on every single one yeah. of them. Yeah. he's fantastic to work with and brian reber uh did some great colors um mm-hmm. I mean, we we really lucked out uh, on the team. I'm, Julian Shaw was the artist on the ASM annual that yeah. came out today, and and he was a lot of fun to work with as well. Um, uh, but Mike and I got to really get to a point where it was almost like a shorthand between the two of us. In terms of, I would, you know, when, when I learned that Mike was going to be the uh, artist on the Halloween, the yeah, on the Halloween special, um, I was like, Oh, okay. This is great. Like I, there are things that I don't have to explain because Mike and I have already worked through it and stuff. So he's, he's been a lot of fun to work with. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's great. That's great. It's always good when a team just clicks like that.
0: Yeah. And then you've got, you know, New York comic con in October, I just, I just see her blowing up. Like she's going to be, she is
4: going
2: to be huge. The trade paperback isn't out in time for New York Comic-Con though. So that's, that's a little frustrating. The trade paperback for Hallow's Eve comes out. I want to say October 24th or 25th and the trade and, uh, but the trade for X-23 comes out the week before New York. So I'm hoping to have a bunch of copies of that. Yeah.
1: Perfect.
0: So there's another that's, another troubled female female character with her with her own agenda about about certain. It's also things. another
1: great book, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: yeah. that's what they do, and they have they have. That's why my Twitter profile says I'm a writer of angry <laughs> women and sometimes yeah. angry men.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't get more cool. more angry than than X
2: twenty three. That is true. That is yeah. true. Although she's got her cl- now, she has. uh uh, another version of herself that's Talon, and because i haven't i haven't been uh, keeping up with the x books as i should Mm -hmm. um i saw i saw talon so yeah
0: that's it that's a really interesting dynamic as well or has been for the for the last few few months where they want to stay the hell away from each other they have this agreement between the two of them to kind of stay apart you know, because it's just too weird to be around each other, and just too off-putting and too annoying. And I, I think that I think that was a that was a cool move too. But
2: I could see where that would be really off-putting to just like see an older version or a younger version of yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like um, the I suppose the older version, the original. Um, you know, she has. Thousands? What is it? Thousands of years? Hundreds of years? I don't, I don't know how long she was. How I think long, it's
2: hundreds of years. Hundreds
0: of years in the in the vault um, under her belt, and then she comes back to find, you know, this this younger character, or younger version of herself that was resurrected because they thought she was dead. So it's it's like a copy mm-hmm. of of her, Ben. You know, and um, uh, yeah, they're, they're they're. I don't trying, actually know the origin of it thing I just kind
1: of know to live bits live about their relationship. relationship. Yeah. So it's, they.
2: Uh, Sink and Laura were dropped into a, a a time vault kind of thing. It was almost like a Dimension Z kind of thing where time runs differently. And Sync was able to get... And at the time, um, uh, Cerebro only had as much as they had copied of Laura. So the five turns around and recreates Laura. And when they recreate Laura, they create her with adamantium over her entire skeleton, which is that actually not how Laura was. Laura only had adamantium in her feet and her hands. Mm -hmm. So now young Laura has adamantium over her entire skeleton, like Wolverine, Mm -hmm. like Logan. But then older Laura ends up getting out of that and so she's got the, the almost like the rogue hair and now she's a cougar cause she's with Sink cause they had this relationship and now there's this like old lady, Laura hanging out with young Sink and, you know, having her, you know, time of her life. Good for her. You know, Absolutely. good for her.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: and now she's, she's under the code name Talon.
1: Cool. Uh, I kind of only recently became aware of them, but I didn't realize what the actual background to them was. That's, that's pretty interesting. That's yeah. um,
0: yeah, I mean it's it's a it, it there's the obvious kind of metaphors for aging and you know mm. the I suppose the jealousy of the older people looking at the younger people or the younger people, you know, did Hickman necessarily... write this? I don't know, no, I think it was Jerry, I think it was Jerry Dugan.
2: Okay, well, yeah. that explains a lot, too. That explains yeah. the, the
1: comedic thing. Or, I mean, I didn't think anyone would get it. That makes the sense. It kind of, just, just kind the of the has that stuff. little bit of gag in, in Looper where he looks up at uh, Brutus's hairline and goes, oh, no. Yes. <laughs> you know, it sounds, uh, sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah, there's a bit of a lot I mean,
2: But, I mean, even when Laura ages, though, she still ages gracefully because she does still have the healing factor.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, and she's, she's a fox, you know? She's, she's still gorgeous and, and everything, you know, and then, and then you're looking at, you know, younger Laura, who's just so freaked out by her. And you would be, you know, like if you're in proximity to your older self, if like 20 year old me met me now well, for starters, he'd be hugely disappointed. But secondly, like, it just be like, I don't want to be around that. I don't want to know how I'm going to look or, you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of portent of the future to come, but it's here now, you know? Um, Yeah. Not good.
2: Wasn't it Beast who was talking about how the, the future is not predetermined. So, I mean, Talon's future is going to be, or most likely will be very different from Lara's future. Yeah. So, so whereas Talon shows Laura a possibility mm-hmm. of the future, doesn't really show Laura's actual future. And in the Tom Taylor written, uh, David Lopez drawn, well, David Lopez drew a good portion of it. Um, forgive me for forgetting the whole list of artists that was on it. Uh, Laura actually, there's a future issue. Where Laura sits Gabby down and tells her that she has a weird form of cancer. Right. That's only Wolverine. Yeah. I'm not making this up. You remember it, Dave.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, dude. No, no. so, so again, there's so, that issue, you know, where Jesus. you don't want to know. Yeah.
2: So, so Laura So is that going to be Laura's future or is it not? Also, we've seen old man Logan interact with Logan prime and things, you know, so it's all up in the air. It's
1: all up in the air. Yeah. Another, it's, it's, it's an old verse and we get one of them too with the spider verse, you know, different verse. Yeah. You have the
2: old verse. You've Mm -hmm. got uh, old man Hawkeye, you've got old man Logan, you've got old man Star Lord. Oh, yeah. old woman, you have old woman, uh, Black Widow. They're all the kind of, uh, podcasts.
1: I just kind of want that book, you know, that's a good hobby up for that. Just loads of people giving out about uh, their knees, you know, ailing backs, knees, and they feel <laughs> the weather changing, you know. <laughs> I'll
2: read yeah. that book, yeah. Erica Schultz, yes,
0: what is your favorite apocalypse?
2: It's not my favorite apocalypse. It's it's my my worst nightmare, and it's hmm. it's <laughs> happened already.
0: We'll take that too.
2: It's it's actually happened. So there's this thing called Carnation Instant Breakfast, and it is this. It's like a protein power, powder, but there's mm-hmm. more like sugar than protein in it. Let's be honest. Sounds it's, good. It's it's like a protein slash vitamin, tons of sugar in it. Okay. And uh, I drink a lot of milk because, I don't know, I'm a cow. Uh, And I've always just drank a lot of milk. My teeth are like rocks and my bones are like concrete. And I'm very proud of that. Yeah. And uh, so every morning I get my Carnation Instant Breakfast, take my vitamins, have my breakfast. And um, they used to make, I don't like things that are super sweet. So -hmm. they used to make a dark chocolate flavor. And it was perfect because it was just the right amount of sweetness. It wasn't this like milk chocolate overly sweet stuff. Yeah. So my husband used to literally buy it like, like six containers by, by like half a case in, in, uh, in uh, online. And then one day he goes to put in his order and they don't have dark chocolate anymore. And he says, honey, they don't have dark chocolate. And I lose my mind. And (laughs) so I go to their website. I start searching grocery stores in the area to see anybody who, and this is honest to God. I, I did this. This is how disgustingly obsessed I am. And I could not find it anywhere. I contacted them directly and said, you know, uh, you know, what happened you had the dark chocolate. All I see on the shelves now are the vanilla and the milk chocolate. What's going on here? Like, is there someone that I can speak to? Like, I didn't go full Karen, but I was close. (laughs) And they just responded, oh no, we've discontinued the dark chocolate ones because they weren't selling well. I was like, to whom were they not selling? Because they were selling to me. Uh, is there <laughs> yeah, a you way- you were buying that- and by the case. I was buying it by- I was like, is there a way that I could buy like, like backup stock or something? And yeah. the woman's like, this matter is closed. Huh. Uh, so now I am forced to drink. I'm forced. Yes, this is the only thing that I'm forced to do. Yeah, ridiculous. So now I, I have to have the milk chocolate in the morning- because they don't make the dark chocolate anymore. And it and I know that there are horrible things going on in the world. And this is the thing that keeps me up at night. Yes, it is.
1: Uh, Acid. Yes. these are the things that matters though, Erica. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Food yeah. matters. Like, is this one of those things where you can mix in a, a dark chocolate um powdered chocolate drink with the vanilla or something to kind of get something back? Or would that be too sweet? Like you know,
2: I mean- I've I've tried to what I've done is I'll put like way more milk then the the milk chocolate powder to try and dilute the sweetness of it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Or I'll I'll add just like I, I really don't drink a lot of coffee, but I'll add like a splash of coffee real quick. Mm. You know, to try and nice. give it a little of that extra not bitterness bite, kind of but, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bitterness to it. Um But it's just, it's just not the same. No. And my husband would make them really, really well. And he'd like, he'd like whip them up like all nice and frothy and they'd be so tasty. And I'd have my vitamins and I'd have my toast.
0: Sounds like a magical time. Yeah.
2: It was so wonderful. And now Carnation Instant Breakfast, you've done me dirty.
1: (laughs) The (laughs) bastards. So is it, is, is it something you can kind of look at now or you kind of dabble with other stuff every day just to not remember the good times or how did you get over it? how did you get over this apocalypse
2: i'm not over it that's the problem
1: mm-hmm.
2: no i i i choke down a milk chocolate one every morning <laughs> and sometimes in the evenings because you know if i don't want to eat like a whole meal i'll have you know carnation instant breakfast and i know they're mostly sugar i get it like because i know people are listening to this being like you know you're drinking all yeah. <laughs> all sugar. I don't care. All right. I'm 46 <laughs> yeah. years old. I'm an adult. I can make yeah. my own decisions. You made it this. Far. I can have ice cream for dinner if I want. Absolutely. Uh-huh. <laughs> Good call. Um, no, it is. It it is. It is heartbreaking. Um, but I did. You know what? I did go out and I got a Cadbury's uh, Royal Dark mm-hmm. and I crushed up a bunch of it and I tried to mix it in to see if that would help.
1: How close did it get?
2: I crushed it up and I put it in and I mixed it in. And it wasn't that great because they changed the Cadbury formulation too. Why can't Um, things just go back to the way they were? Cadbury cream eggs are tiny now. It's
0: all cost, Mm. isn't it? It's all just. It
2: used to be so much bigger. Tiny little things. It's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible.
1: Yeah. Change is a bad thing, guys. Just tell all the food companies it's not changing. They can't make their products any better than they already are. They're already perfect.
2: I I'm old enough to remember new Coke.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: I don't think I ever made it here. Did that make it here? I don't think new so. Coke. No, I think it, it was, was something like, I, I discovered. There right after, it
1: was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're too young.
2: For I'm that. old yeah. enough to remember new Coke. And then they came out with Coke classic. I was like, you don't have to do Coke classic. It's just Coke. New yeah. Coke should not exist in this world.
4: Yeah. But like
0: we, we, you know, we are talking about comics as well. And you know, there how many how many titles for the same character? How many adjectives or non-adjectives? <laughs> well, know. you
2: said Spider-Boy. So you have Spider-Man, yeah. you have the amazing Spider-Man, you have the Astonishing Spider-Man, you have the spectacular uncanny, Spider-Man, the spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah. you have the uncanny Spider-Man, you have the unbelievable Spider-Man, you there have Peter my, Parker
1: Spider-Man. Yeah.
2: Peter oh. Parker Spider-Man. And there's a new, I mean, one.
1: Just,
0: there's another new one. There's I've a re-
2: Spider-Man of India.
0: Isn't, right. there, yeah. isn't there a new Spidey book advertised in today, out today, the, the ASM annual, there's a book by Saladin Ahmed and Juan Ferreira, Spine Tingling Spider-Man. No, well. Yes. Yeah. So that's, yeah, another Spider-Book. Like there, there, It wasn't so long ago we only had the one Spider-Man book recently enough when, I think when Zeb, Started off when ASM went back to one number one. Yeah, I think there was there only there was only one Spider-Man book around at that stage because then got everything else had kind of stopped, and now we're back to this. It's insane.
2: And some of them are actually double shipping, so they're shipping twice a month. So it's yeah. pretty much every week you have multiple Spider titles on the shelf. Well, I mean they did DC did the same thing with Batman. There was the mm-hmm. Batman Detective Comics, Batman and Robin uh batman and the outsiders batman inc oh, yeah.
1: so so they gotta, man, they gotta
2: print all that money they gotta print money
1: that's yeah that's it man. and spider and yeah. batman money is pretty good money you know um
2: so I hear <laughs> when you're when you're
0: working on characters like like ben um and they you know, they cut and, and spider around or whatever and they and they come with all that history and backstory. Do you have, you know, is, is Nick Lowe rocking up to the house, backing up the station wagon with a load of comic books for you to <laughs> you to read, or are you on your own when it comes to the research?
2: Uh uh i'm trying to think how to diplomatically answer this question because i still need this job um no i mean it's it's a little bit it's a little bit of of both i mean i i have my own um subscription to marvel unlimited so Mm -hmm. i will look up what i can look up but not everything is on marvel unlimited um and i and i will say like look you know even if the issue hasn't been drawn yet if you can just send me the script i'll read over the script and uh just to figure out what i can and can't do like for gang war which was announced for daredevil gang war yeah um it is starting in asm i want to say 37 Mm -hmm. or 38 yeah and there are some characters and some moments that in my daredevil number one i am referencing uh i say my but mine and sergio devia which i'm so thrilled to be working with Sergio because he's so cool uh yeah so um I had I had some questions about something that was going to happen and they sent me the script because it hadn't been drawn yet they sent me the script from Zeb that I got to read uh to to be able to then reference so if it's something that happened like a million years ago then yeah I could go to uh to Marvel Unlimited and, and pick it up and stuff. Uh, but if it's something that happened, you know, or has yet to be published yet, then I got to kind of, you know, beat the doors down on the uh, the editorial team and be like, look, I really, really, really need this because uh, otherwise my story is going to be completely out of continuity. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it's, uh, that's not cool. Can um, I ask, like, like I-
1: how difficult is that continuity to juggle because there is so much happening at, at any one point in in the marvel universe especially in the spider-man universe if you discussed all the titles that you kind of have like is that something where you write something and you have to go back and edit it and change it because of this or is this something that is actually fairly uh, you're able to work around easily
2: well i mean it depends because the, the dark web it was uh, i think four months was the um three or four months was the uh, um crossover series, but the events of it took place in like two weeks. Mm -hmm. So you're really playing with time. So something that comes out in February is actually happening well earlier. Um, Because, you know, it's only a span of two weeks, but it's really three months. So it's kind of weird to like sort of wrap your head around it. I usually just... Um, when it comes to like writing seasons or whatever everybody is in a light jacket cuz that could be fall or spring or winter or summer you know it could be a cool nice. summer day so i'm just like everybody is either in a light jacket or like you know three quarter sleeves uh, <laughs>
3: just just to
2: kind of cover my bases just because uh like nobody's in parkas uh this, or nobody's in shorts just because like i'm i'm worried about finding you know no this is supposed to happen at this time yeah um so i try not to concern myself because i know the second i go down that rabbit hole i'm gonna drive myself mad and then (laughs) and then i'll be like i'll be like peter parker like you can't break these rules and blah, blah, blah and then and then i'll get paralysis and then i won't even be able to write it so i'm just like just write the story and you can let the editors figure out what season it's in you know um and you know, let the let the editors figure out if they they have you know if it's going to be snowing that day. So j- just try and make sh- make it that nothing meteorolo- meteorolo- meteor- meteor- meteorologically. God, I couldn't get that word out.
1: You got it. That's uh, good.
2: Try not to make anything meteorologically a- a dependent. Yeah. You know, unless it's unless storm is involved, because if she's involved, then you know yeah. you can break the rules. But otherwise you know, just, just make it a, a, a normal, you know, 55 to 60 degree weather day.
3: Yeah. That's, yeah uh,
1: smart, that, that makes move. sense. Uh, yeah. I haven't heard that before. It's really clever, actually, you know? Yeah. Actually, yeah. I'd say there's two, there's
0: two, two approaches here that I've never come across, which is the, you know, limiting your, your story to a specific amount of time, mm-hmm. you know, while time exists in, in, in stories, but, you know, I've never heard anybody speak so explicitly about, you know, say with the with with the Janine stuff that, you know, she's got, got the full moon, she's got seventy-two hours. But, you know, making sure that you stay within those rules or or that rule of 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 the the allotted hours that you have, um, is really interesting. I've never come across that before with a writer because you tend to tell the story and, you know, it could be the next day, it could be Three days later, it could be you know mm-hmm. it's kind of nebulous with a lot of a lot of storytelling, um and then with that as well with the just you know taking that approach that it could be spring it could be it could be autumn it could be you know where wherever you are with it, um that that's like really good advice I think for for anyone yeah. thinking about writing the, these kind of stories,
4: um
2: I mean, I I was I was hampered by, so I wrote, I wrote a book for uh image called the deadliest bouquet we had done it as a kickstarter and that image picked it up thank you um and everything in that book happens in seven days yeah and um i i realized that i got really hampered by that because it starts on valentine's day and it's in it's in northeast new jersey and valentine's day in northeast new jersey is usually cold snow or cold rain or snow or whatever.
3: Mm-hmm. So I
2: realized that I had to, that I had to stick to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that these are three girls, three, not girls, excuse me, three young women from Northeast Jersey. So they can usually probably hold their own in a t-shirt in the cold if they have to.
1: Those girls, definitely uh, could. those <laughs> women definitely could. Yeah, right.
2: yeah, they definitely, they definitely could. Um, I actually had, uh, there's this, uh, great artist who does, um, I'm not a huge fan of Funko Pops in general, but he does custom Funko Pops. So I had the three sisters made as custom Funko Pops, oh, brilliant. Which, that's yeah. deadly. which was very cool. Uh, the, the one of a kinds. So, you know, if anything ever happens with the deadliest bouquet, I've got the one of a kind Funko Pops. Um, nice. that's a retirement plan. And Nice. that's like, exactly yeah just like uh my uh my my first appearance of sharon carter my first appearance of sam wilson first appearance nice. of you know rogue in king's eyes avengers you know yeah those are all my retirement plans uh-huh yeah yeah
0: yeah nice. yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm i'm up there with you yeah it's going to be a cold I think, I think retirement my one,
2: my one my one retirement is a is a piece uh is a neil adams piece that i got when i worked with him Awesome. That's that's my one retirement piece, uh, but but even still, I, I I won't put the farm on that one. Um, can I tell, um, you my, story- can I tell you
0: my 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 Neil Adams story real quick? My one yes, my course. one Neil Adams story. So I'm at Heroes Con in like 2011, I think, and uh, I'm hanging out, and I'm I'm mates with Tommy Lee Edwards. We we had him over here for shows and stuff over the years. Lovely fella, and um, we're in the bar. And I'm like, oh my God, man. And he's like, what? And I'm like, Neil Adams over there. And he's like, yeah, so? And I'm like, it's Neil Adams, man. That's like he's a legend, you know? And Tommy at the top of his voice goes, what are you talking about, Dave? Neil Adams, he's not a hack. Right. <laughs> and Neil Adams looks over and he looks at me and then he sees Tommy and he starts laughing because him and Tommy are old mates or whatever. And, and then Tommy got, got, got you know, went and introduced me and I was all kind of,
2: hi, oh, I'm Dave, whatever. Yeah. I don't, you know, it's fine.
0: But, um, but that, yeah. I amazing.
2: Wow, wow, amazing. I was working, I was working at the studio then. So oh, yeah, awesome. I was, yeah. Yeah. Cause I worked, I, I started working in the studio in December eight. And then I left in August of 2016.
1: I know, nice. oh, so I cool. was working
2: at the studio then. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's funny cause there was an article in the New York times that came out the other day that said, um, but who gets the comic collection? And it was this idea of like, you know, when you have, when someone passes away and they have this like hugely valuable comic collection and you know, what happens and if people are going to fight over it and blah, blah, blah. I don't have any single book in my collection. That's more than maybe like 40 bucks, 50 bucks. I mean, it might be 50 because it's probably like a 9.6 if I had oh, yeah. it graded. Yeah. So that hmm. would probably increase it a bit, but nothing slabbed. Nothing's hmm. like I've got a couple. Cause you're of not a psychopath. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> not a psychopath, but you know yeah. what it is? The other thing is that when I get things signed that I sign them to me or I sign them to my husband. Okay. Because that's because that's who who's enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I I know I know people flip stuff. I mean, I was at a show and people were literally coming up buying all the Marvel books and then going having me sign them and then going downstairs and flipping them uh, within 15 like, minutes. I knew it was happening, whatever. It is what it is.
0: Yeah. It's gross though, isn't it? That's terrible. Yeah.
2: You know what? I, it is what it is. People are going to do that. It's fine. I'm not, you know, I, what I am going to do at New York is um, I'm going to say three free signatures and then everything else is $2 a book because yeah. Yeah. there are people coming up with me. I'm not exaggerating with a stack of 60 books That's nuts. and I'm like signing oh. and I was, and I hadn't said anything about signature. So I wasn't going to spring it on him and I felt bad. Uh, but yeah, so I'm going to say, you know, $2 a signature after three free. Yeah. There you that's go. That's fair. Are they? Are they I think, yeah. Are they I coming think up that's fair. Like
0: in that stack of 60, are they coming up with like multiples of the same books?
2: Yeah. Cause it'll be uh, all the variants. Yeah. So I did a series called, um, I, I did a series called Swords of Sorrow. It was a huge mm-hmm. crossover series for Dynamite. And it was 21 issues. And each issue had like two variant covers. Oh, Dynamite. And so right. they
0: came famous for their covers. Yeah. yeah.
2: And they came up to me and I lettered the entire series. And they came up to me and had me sign every single book, every single variant. And it was literally like 60 books. And I'm just sitting here signing. And i was sitting next to Mike Collins at the convention. And he was just laughing as I was like, as as my signatures just kept degrading, more and more.
3: It's like your it's like when you get a mortgage calls. and you
2: yeah you, your hands as well. It's like when you get a mortgage and you have to sign like nine hundred sheets of paper. By the yeah, end, yeah. you're like, I don't even know what I'm signing. Yeah. That's exactly, what it, now. Into. Yeah. That's exactly what it turned now? into. Who owns my kidneys now? It was it was ridiculous. But yeah, like I I said, I was like, I think. I was like, I don't want to be that jerk who charges, you know, ridiculous amounts for signatures, but I, mm. I'm going to tr- like two bucks a signature. I don't think is that much. Not at no,
1: I'm um, not when they're throwing that many in front of you as well. That's that's crazy. Well, I mean, are they walking yeah, up with a red wagon thing. full of comics or something that's supposed to just take out whatever a few issues in the bank? This,
2: this guy came up with a backpack and he opened it up. And he took out a stack that was like two inches thick, and he put it down. And I was like, "Oh wow!" And I started going through. And then he put another stack two inches oh. thick, right there. and I was like, "Oh, Christmas cookies! This is stuff." <laughs> <suck." laughs> and I was just like, "Can I get a break in between this?" Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I, well, yeah. I I have seen it doesn't happen so much at the shows here. although it's starting to. But I I did mm-hmm. see one guy once at a show in Dublin, and he had like a hand trolley.
2: Yeah, that, that's we, at New York, yeah.
0: Fucking hell, man. Like, come on. And like
2: I, comic book short you,
0: boxes on, on, on the trolley.
2: Yeah, that's crazy. they have that at New York. So because I, I table at New York, you get in early mm-hmm. and you're setting up your table. And sometimes they'll be friends with a retailer or a vendor so they can get in early too. Right. So as you're setting up your table, they try and get to you early sometimes. And I've seen them do that and... And I know I know it's an embarrassment of riches complaining about people having asking you for your signature. I yeah. I, I, I understand the privilege that I'm that I'm bitching about right now. <laughs> um, but it's like you're trying to, like, drink your coffee mm-hmm. for me, get my makeup on, you know, put my stuff together because I don't want anybody telling me I look tired. Um, you know, put my, my table together, not fight with my husband or try not to fight with my husband because he's like, no, you should do the table like this. And I'm like, no, you should do it like this. And it's always an argument. Oh my God. Sounds like Um, me and Dave at
1: our table. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's the stupidest stupidest thing. And I'm like, you're literally the booth, babe. Like you're supposed to stand there and look pretty with your green eyes. Like you're not supposed to do anything. All right. Like be the booth, babe. I'll set up the table. (laughs) uh no but um but yeah and then i see people with like a a, a little like <laughs> almost like the little red flyer radio flyer red wagon kind of thing with yeah. you know stacks of of short boxes and they just sort of roll up and they're like hi i've got bloody blah and i'm like okay or they'll go to somebody else uh and 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 be like hi i've got you know 900 comics there was actually <laughs> i mean there was an article <laughs> about New York Comic Con last year that mm. was terrible because um Peach Momoko was uh doing signings and people were going up to her she's and amazing. like with she's a phenomenal mm. phenomenal so sweet so kind so professional and and the what kills me is when people take advantage of that cuz mm-hmm. that just that really just you know gets my hair up and so you know, I I I had heard through the grapevine that something had happened, but I didn't witness anything. Let me put that out there. But I had mm-hmm. heard, you know, people talk. And then I saw an article um, where people were showing up before the doors opened with giant stacks and were just like throwing down a stack of 50 books in front of her and being like, I need remarks on all of these. And it's like, whoa,
3: hold Jesus. the phone.
2: Yeah. Like that's a human being that you were talking to, and that you yeah. need to be a lot kinder and more respectful. And it's like I, I think what people don't understand is, you know, we are behind the table. I mean, you you guys table, you know how it is. Day two of any show, you're already dragging.
3: Yeah. You
2: know? Yeah, you're and exhausted. then you have and then you have New York, which is a four-day show, and mm-hmm. you're just like, by Saturday, Saturday morning, like you might just prop up a corpse, like (laughs) seriously, because you are just, you're beat. You're running on nothing but sugar and caffeine and garbage food. And that's it. Like I I'm running on like coffee and Coca-Cola for, you know, four days And then it takes me like a week for my body to be like, What did you do to us? (laughs) We don't eat this much pizza in a year and you've eaten more in four days.
1: We just want carnation instant breakfast. What did you do?
2: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. No.
0: That week after New York Comic Con, like I've been I've been to a good few and you know, you fly back here, you know. So we we've got the added bonus of a of a shitty transatlantic flight afterwards, you know. And your body, like it takes, it takes a week.
2: I did London film and Comic-Con a few weeks ago and I actually stayed a week after cause I have family in London and yeah. in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. and when I flew back, I was just, I felt like a truck hit me. Yeah. And I was like, I used to be able to like go to London twice a year and fly back and like be like, no, Cardio I was noise. dragging. Yeah, I was dragging. I was like, I would roll over and be like, "Honey, hit the button, and give me another hour and a half." He's like, "It's ten o'clock in the morning." I'm like, "I don't care." Like, I was really just dead. And then what I was going to do, and then stupidly what I did was because I, I have, I wouldn't say it's a good work, work ethic. I would say it's something that's likely going to kill me someday. Um, I decided that as I am, you know, like Dave had said, like it feels like you're you're hungover. As I was basically had like my hungover jet lag, I decided I was going to uh, start doing the fulfillment of the Kickstarter.
0: Oh, nice. Oh. nice. Yeah.
2: Because <laughs> I'm so brilliant.
1: Yeah. Well, obviously. So nice to yourself. Yeah, my God.
2: I have brains. And but I made genius
0: I, as well. Yeah.
2: I got everything done. In like four days, cool. I just lived in our basement and got everything done in four days.
0: Wow! And did did it? Did everything arrive where it should have? <laughs>
2: um, well, the transatlantic stuff is still there's oh, there's stuff that already arrived.
0: Yeah, it's just set there's them stuff up. that
2: has already arrived in Australia yeah. before stuff has shown up in Ireland yeah. and in the UK.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah,
2: which I'm really surprised about um but what i mean look the post is bad on both sides of the atlantic i mean yeah. i used to be able to send stuff to my cousins and it would take a full week or maybe 10 days now i've sent something out to my cousin in uh in um Ruscommon and mm-hmm. it's been a full 3 weeks and yeah. it still hasn't arrived
3: yeah
0: it can take 6 and, weeks sometimes like it's it's mad yeah
2: and i used to be able to and and i pay for the extra post that it's supposed to be it's the supposed to be stuff, expedited. Yeah. I pay for the for the express but it it I I honestly I don't know. So yeah, I, I got through all the Kickstarter. I do know some people in the UK got theirs uh mm-hmm. so if you back the Kickstarter thank you very much. And if you didn't, thank you anyway.
0: <laughs> I my kid texted me today. He's 15 and he was texting me about the Good Omens Kickstarter. And he was They're like, doing a Kickstarter. They're doing a Kickstarter. Yeah, Colleen Doran is doing a graphic novel, an adaptation of Good Omens of the novel, oh. I think, of the novel, um, not of the TV show. Um, so that was, yeah, that was another Kickstarter back today. You know,
1: I, I put this away my very... Kickstarter. Like I, ever since like COVID happened and everyone went Kickstarter, and I was just throwing loads of money at it, I just can't do it anymore. I, I I spent too much down there. I had to kind of put myself on a on a on a budget.
2: Uh, no, I find it interesting when I see a publisher or a very well-known property go to Kickstarter, like oh, yeah. when when the uh, the Berserker Kickstarter mm-hmm. with Boom or the Power Rangers Kickstarter at Boom,
3: yeah,
2: or when Archie was doing a Kickstarter or whatever. I always find that very interesting. And someone asked me if I I think it's disingenuous. And I don't think it's disingenuous, but I think that people don't understand the margins of the profit margins when it comes to this business and how, you know, the Kickstarter is there to sort of whip up. um, um, It's like its own marketing thing.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, So, I mean, Keanu Reeves could probably have afforded to do the book on his own, but, Boom! Putting it out, they did the the Kickstarter. They got a stupid amount of money. It was well over a million dollars. Plus, they got they whipped up the frenzy about it. Yeah, you know, and you know they got articles in Publishers Weekly and Entertainment Weekly and you know the Variety and all, and you know, and and so it, it crossed over to Hollywood but also to publishing traditional publishing and things like that so I think that was the purpose of it but I can understand where some people sort of feel a little put off by that yeah like th- that
0: I think the press in a way like back to creators was handled a, a bit poorly in insofar as there was an argument made that you know these big uh projects on on Kickstarter that are but you know by established brands or established people um Kind of impact all the other Kickstarters. It kind of raises all the boats, you know. And I kind of I didn't buy that at all. I was like, no, not really. It just takes money away from other projects, you know. I'm just looking at the Good Omens Kickstarter at the moment, and it's uh, <laughs> it's jumped eight, on that. There. It's at eight hundred six thousand euros right now. What did it ask for? Twenty nine grand. It funded in ten minutes. It, it's only yeah. on since yesterday. So, yeah, yeah I it can did see well. That. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, nobody's starving there. Nobody's
0: no, no. starving there. No, i mean, but, fair fair to Colleen do Doran, see- she's amazing. Like, and, and, you know, oh, no,
2: she's, she's yeah. phenomenal. And, yeah. and, you know, I, and good honor, you know, because I, I know she got blacklisted for, for telling the truth, uh, you know, not too long ago. So, yeah. good honor for this. Um, I, but I see what you're saying in terms of like this idea of like, oh, it, it you know it brings more people to the platform in general mm. but the problem is is that because there is so much on the platform like it it really is like you know, like you know going through the weeds it's like mm-hmm. unless you know specifically the title of something that you're looking for. Kind yeah. of like we were talking about like on comixology.
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: You know? So so yes it'll bring you know people who haven't usually been to the platform to the platform, but if they're there only for that specific project, they're not likely to start, you know, tooling around and, hey, let's see what else is here. You yeah. know what I mean?
1: That um, other Kickstarter campaigns like this one is a, is like a YouTube wormhole. Like that, That's that's where it gets you. And I, I don't know how new that feature was, but I hadn't noticed it before the start of COVID. And then that was where I found out, like, there was loads of people putting comics out through Kickstarter. And uh God, it was just uh, it was a few months of throwing money at something that I hadn't realized I was throwing that much money at. Um,
2: well, I will say this. Deadliest Bouquet originally had a publisher. Mm-hmm. And uh, when COVID started, the publisher backed out because... And, and I understand, and that's happened to a lot of people that I know. Mm-hmm. So we had already had, I think, three or you know, two or three issues completed already because I was thinking it was going through this publisher. So yeah. I was just like, all right, we'll just do a Kickstarter. Yeah. Because the book was, was, was close to half to half done to begin it with.
0: Save the project.
2: So that's basically what, what happened. Um, but I can, I can had we that. not had a publisher in the beginning, I might have held off on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting proposition, you know, um, like, the last few years all the rules went out the window nobody knew what the hell to do and anybody who got anything out at all i think fair play to them you yeah. know. um there were certainly some some great books that, that i encountered on kickstarter there was um like Jer Hahn's little um short horror book um mm-hmm. Like, Ontology. Ontology. Yeah. I, I just thought that was fantastic. These little nearly poems, these little horror poems that he put out. Um and what I liked about that and, and a lot of the other the other projects I backed uh, over the years um was that they were specifically for the backers. They, they had something specifically yeah. for the backers, because sometimes it you know comes out through image later on, or you know, it'll go through the book trade and, and you'll see it. And like I have bought or backed Kickstarters and then seen them arrive into big Bang comics down the road with John, you know, months before the Kickstarter book that I backed arrives with me, you know, and you're like, oh, the folk, what the fuck,
3: man? Why I spend
2: all this money? You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That sucks. I don't like that at all. I think, I think you got to look after your backers, you know? Um, uh, for
2: I for mean, those. for the, the one that we just had, Christabel, we had mm-hmm. a retailer tier. Yeah. But I fulfilled I mean everybody including the retailers got fulfilled within four days. So everybody was getting their book around the same time. And the same thing with Deadliest Bouquet, we had we had a retailer tier. But for the Deadliest Bouquet, we only printed eight hundred and fifty copies with the Kevin Wada cover. Yeah. Uh. So if you have the Kevin Wada cover, there's only eight hundred and fifty of those in the world. That's that's, that's awesome. your uh, That's your uh, retirement plan right there. And I, and I only have like 30 copies left.
1: Yeah. Amazing.
2: So yeah.
1: And that's your backer incentive too. That's, that's the way to do it, you know?
2: And we didn't put it on comiXology for uh, almost a year because I wanted to make sure that all the backers had exclusive, uh, had exclusive uh, rights to it.
0: Yeah. That's cool.
1: Nice. Yeah.
0: I think that's the way to do it. Um, well, I haven't been brave enough to to put
1: anything out in Kickstarter. Yet. I must, I must get around to it. We've humored it, um, but the, the the workload is is daunting. Um, like well,
2: it, it is, it's you know what it is is you do Kickstarter for the average is four weeks, you know, yeah. thirty mm-hmm. days. Um, you have four weeks worth of work. Before that, you have it is it's not like your typical oh it's going to be four weeks now. Uh, you have four weeks worth of work providing, setting up um, podcasts, setting up all this stuff. And then you turn around and you have to run the, the the not the program, excuse me, the campaign. And then and you have to worry about fulfillment. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, Greg Pak did a great uh, book that broke everything down. Uh, it's called Kickstarter Secrets and it is it is like a Bible for running a Kickstarter. But I will say this, the, the social media aspect of it is very fragmented right now. Yeah. Because it's not just Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook anymore. Mm-hmm. Now you have half dozen different social media platforms that you go to. Um, and it's, you know, and I, I found that that fragmentation dilutes your audience. Yeah. So if you have, say, you know, I have like 6,500, 7,000 followers on Twitter, but then I've only got like a thousand followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But Twitter, I'm I'm not paying $8 a month to have my tweets bumped yeah. up. Yeah. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to have that visibility that uh that you need kind of thing
3: mm-hmm.
2: um so it's it's kind of rough and that's where doing a previous kickstarter helps because you have your um your backer list and you can send updates through that so and say hey a new kickstarter is coming um so yeah it is kind of rough uh yeah. right now with doing kickstarters um because somebody decided to spend 44 billion dollars
4: Oh man!
0: Like, <laughs> don't get me started. Yeah, um, yeah. That that X logo. It showed up on my phone yesterday morning for the first time, and
2: I, I don't, I don't understand.
0: <sighs> looks like it's somebody, so necessary. Yeah. Somebody described it as looking like a, an app for an Eastern European strip club
1: from, from ten <laughs> years ago. You know? and it
0: really, it really does. It, it's just yeah. like.
1: What is this thing? It doesn't say social media, does it? I mean no, yeah, it's just I, I keep seeing so cool. it and wondering what's that again? Oh yeah, that's that X app and it yeah, it it <laughs> your description's far better. I was kind of think like that I downloaded something that I didn't mean to. <laughs> uh, what what the hell is this? Oh my god, it, it <laughs> put something on my phone. <laughs> yeah, what is this?
2: <laughs> it's so weird how like I mean, look, if you're gonna have a nervous breakdown. Don't like have it for free. Don't spend forty four billion dollars to have a nervous breakdown. Mm, like yeah. I have one monthly for free, <laughs> and I think all it costs is like a burrito. Oh, like that's basically it. Like just give her a burrito. Just throw the burrito into the corner of the room and she'll like, <laughs> eat it, and then she'll be fine an hour later. Yeah.
0: Nice. Oh man, it's 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 just insane what he's done. It's. It's beyond comprehension. It doesn't
2: make sense. Well, this yeah. is okay. I said to my husband, I was like, Spock would have committed Harry Carey in <laughs> this world because nothing <laughs> that happens now is logical. Like there's no logical progression from A to B. It's yeah. not like it's like A to purple. Like nothing makes sense anymore.
3: Yeah.
2: And it's really just very, very frustrating because I'm like. Okay, so you spent all this money,
3: yeah.
2: And there's and and I don't know about laws in the UK or in Europe, but in the US, there are laws against buying a company to tank it for per, purposefully. There yeah. are laws against that. Now you can't prove technically that he's bought this company to tank it purposefully, but it kind of seems that way.
1: Certainly does. Yeah. Yeah. He's done. You everything. know what I mean? So he's, poorly he's looked after everyone in no way whatsoever. His staff, the people who use the app, it's just but he's, tragedy.
0: He's having his revenge on a platform. It's not on a person or a group of people or, you know, an ex or whatever. All you know that's that old mad shit that's going on. But like he's he's taking out his frustrations on on a concept. On, uh, it's
2: like, what do you do? That's man? a next level of lunacy. That's like
0: that's mm. like a Grant Morrison
1: nervous breakdown. <laughs> you <know? laughs> <That's> like... <laughs> Sorry, you you mentioned before, Dave. I think I think on on a previous show. um check out, That he tried this with PayPal before. Oh, he tried to call it X before. Yeah, yeah, and he got fucked out of PayPal.
0: Then he was <laughs> like, that it's... was
2: that was uh, that was like the early. It was like late nineties, early two thousands. I think.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, back I with his original is... face. Yeah, yeah. His original skull, whatever the fucks happened to. His I was skull. gonna
2: say his original hairline too. Yeah,
0: mm. yeah, hairline, jawline. Yeah, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised Look, if he's be... a robot.
2: <laughs> I I had a car accident many years ago, and I had to have oh. plastic surgery because a piece of my face came off.
0: Oh my god! And... My god. Sorry to hear that.
2: <laughs> it's all right. It was just a little weird when I said something warm is on my face, and I touched my face, and I pulled a piece of it off. Um, oh my and... god. <laughs> um, and I will tell you, as someone who had plastic surgery because there was glass embedded in my face and I had to have a plastic surgeon taken yeah. out. I don't know why people purposely have plastic surgery. They are literally cutting your face. Like they're cutting your face. You want someone cutting your face?
4: Yeah. Like, no. What are you no. thinking?
2: None of this makes face. sense. Yeah. I, I just don't I don't understand. Like that person who like like the people who have plastic surgery so they could look like celebrities. I'm like.
0: Oh, that's Why? fucked up. That's but that's I like, get like I I don't get the that's a pathology. I, I don't get the mm-hmm. fanboys who get a tattoo of a of a of a a symbol, you know, of a a corporate badge, you know, if it's a bat symbol or a Autobot symbol or you know whatever it is. I I don't understand that either. So you're you're just going to get this thing put on you that's run by a corporation that. They could do absolutely anything with, you know. They could, you know, in in twenty years' time, some asshole could take over Warner Brothers and turn Batman into a Nazi and think it's great, you know. And and you've got no, you've got don't you've got even a bad show, on because your it's getting
4: close. Yeah, a, you know.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you want to talk about nonsense, right? We are on to Indictment Three, are we? Uh, three, today? that's right. Is this yeah, the yeah, third yeah. one? Yeah and yeah all the talk is oh it's definitely going to improve his, his his campaign finances.
2: It's like what the fuck? Like if okay so I'm from New Jersey mm-hmm. and anybody who is from New Jersey or New York knew who he was. Yeah. Okay? The yeah. the vast swaths of the country were not aware of who he was because all they knew was that they they would see him on TV basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there's a city in New Jersey called Atlantic City.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: and
0: Bruce Springsteen when told me si- all about it.
2: When I say that he single-handedly, not Bruce Springsteen. No. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying not to curse.
0: He who shall not be named.
2: But he who shall not be named. The, the orange poof. Yeah. Um, he single-handedly destroyed Atlantic City and Atlantic City has not recovered. Like what Kissinger did to Cambodia is what, Trump to <laughs> Atlantic, city. like I and I am not understanding. Agent it, Orange, and I am not over. I am hey. not overstating it either. But if you looked up, if you googled, pre, if you well, because he wasn't president back then, but if you googled mm-hmm. Donald Trump, Atlantic City, and um, non-payment or things like that, you yeah. will see how he destroyed. Like literally, hundreds of thousands of people lost their livelihoods because yeah. of the way he just destroyed that city. And tanks. Atlantic City used to be the place to go. Yeah. And now it is. To say it's a hellhole is probably a compliment.
1: Oh god, ah, really?
2: Yes, I'm being honest. Yeah. It really is. It really is very frustrating. So when people say, "Well, we never knew he was like that," I'm like, "Because you didn't either a listen to the people who did know he was like that, or b ask the people who would know."
1: Yeah. Just do any kind of homework whatsoever. I mean, it was incredible to watch what's happened with him and where he's gone with stuff because everyone kind of thought he'd fall at the first hurdle, you know? It's like, it's just so strange. Well, I
2: mean, he's got a lot of money. So, Mm. and his entire life has been failing up. So,
0: yeah. I mean, self made with a loan of a million, (laughs) was it a million dollars from his dad? (laughs) Like,
2: something like that. It's just
0: bullshit. Like, it's just. I tell, I I like I I love I love America I love American culture I love a lot of American, <laughs> American people Sorry. I really do I do There's, I've got so many friends over there you know mm-hmm. but right now oh my God like it's I've just watched it over like the last ten years fifteen years what's going we've on We've lost guys? our minds Yeah we've
2: lost our minds and I and I honestly like I had a whole like conspiratorial thing about it. Um, mm-hmm. and I, and I was joking with a friend of mine and she's like, you know what? That doesn't sound as half baked and cre- crazy as I would have thought. Like, so here we, you use actual real sugar in everything. We use corn yep. syrup in most things.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And high fructose corn syrup is a type of corn syrup that has been re refined is probably the wrong word, but it's chemicalized for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. And all I can think about is and and I know that this is tinfoil hat and I 100% acknowledge this. This is my, this is my caveat. I know this is tinfoil hat, but when you have put preservatives and this stuff in food for 25, 30 years,
3: mm-hmm.
2: what does that do? What does that do to your brain chemistry? Because people who I 20 years ago thought were intelligent, educated people, we're yeah. making decisions to vote for someone who can barely string a sentence together. And I'm thinking, could the corn syrup have something to do? And then I like I said, I know this is completely tinfoil hat stuff.
3: but yeah, yeah.
2: we we think about like here's a, here's a perfect example. arsenic. the Long Island, which is you know part of New York State, mm-hmm. used to be a lot of farms. There were a lot of farms on Long Island and they used to use in the forties and fifties. And you can look this up. God is my witness. You can look this up. They used to use arsenic as a pesticide.
0: Okay.
1: But this is,
2: but this is what I'm saying. Do you know what DEET is?
1: DEET? No, no. Okay.
2: So DEET is a chemical that you put back in the day, you would put it on your skin and it would, uh, be a bug deterrent so you wouldn't get mosquito bites and things like that okay they they learned 20 years later that deet had that deet caused cancer fucking hell. nice you know agent orange you know mustard gas all of these things mm-hmm. the burn pits in in uh, uh afghanistan and iraq uh the 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 chemicals that were at Uh, ground zero like literally these are things that you don't know the effect of until 20 10 15 20 years later
4: yeah
0: so there's been a couple of generations since yeah Yeah.
2: so Dave you're saying the past 10 15 20 years what's happened well I mean I I know tinfoil hat but (laughs) at the same time I know causation and correlation are not the same thing but I'm just saying like there could be it doesn't take that far to make a connection
0: yeah, I mean it's 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 phenomenal. Like the change is just so extreme, and so sad
2: to see. Extraordinary, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's it's, yeah.
0: it's just mm. you know. I mean, and then you had like I was I was watching the coverage today on the New York Times and about you
2: know, the indictment or
0: about, about the indictment. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And the you know they they spoke to the usual heads, um, or they did a profile. I don't think they they even got to speak some, to but they did a profile on Republicans' reactions to to the indictment. And every single one of them used very partisan language around how the justice system is being usurped or perverted,
2: weaponized, yeah,
0: yeah, on weaponized, yeah, yeah, yes, That's weaponized. the big word,
2: yeah,
0: and. You know, every, like one or two of them would be. Well, if he did it, that's terrible. But you know, also they shouldn't have indicted him. Yeah, it's just like, like the guy's a crook. It's obvious yeah. to the world. And we
2: like. Well, I mean, we,
0: you people know, don't, I don't
2: have shame anymore.
0: No, no. I want like what? Where's that from? Is that is that because we've all been turned into? platforms you know for everybody else's entertainment and enjoyment and we we all you know we we all have somewhere we can express ourselves freely allegedly online if if um even with like this you know these kind of platforms like we've all become entertainers and is is that why there's no shame? Is you know the the apps have is, been set up to exploit us as is, it is? Is it a
1: look for a big reaction? You know, it, I was saying this to someone recently as well. It's kind of like the whole AI thing, right? So AI uh, is developed to do uh, something interesting to get a reaction from you. You know, and I think people are just looking for a reaction rather than actually taking a stand for anything. They just kind of want a bit of noise about what they're saying or doing, and then when they get it, they kind of stay in for it a bit longer. Hmm i think that's all I, it is people are just looking for that reaction during their 15 minutes you know
2: i don't know i mean i'll give you an example when i was a kid and the statute of limitations has run out on this so so i can talk about it when i was oh a my kid, god i murdered
3: someone I, <laughs>
2: I no, there's no there's no statute of limitations on murder in the united okay. states uh when i was a kid i stole colored paper clips from the grocery <laughs> store okay
1: criminal um, absolutely terrible oh my oh, god okay because uh, they were
2: all different they were rainbow colored paper clips, and that i was like probably seven or eight okay <laughs>
3: right.
2: when i got caught and my mom found out mm-hmm. the well my mom's old school so the beating wasn't bad it was uh was probably worse than the mm-hmm. shame but the sh- shaming was awful yeah the shame that i felt was awful and horrible. And I'm literally feeling a little pit in my stomach right now as I'm talking about this. And this happened, I'm not exaggerating, 38 years ago.
1: Was it the classic, it's not that you did it, it's that you disappointed oh, me? No, no,
2: no, no. My mother right. did not. No, my mother did not care about that. No, it was it was backhand quicker <laughs> okay. than you could think. She's Neapolitan, right. uh, but but it was this idea of like, How could you, like, we go to that grocery store every week. People know us at that grocery store. Yeah. And you have the audacity to do something like that, to shame us, to shame this family, you know, to shame yourself. I thought I raised you better than that kind of thing. Now, there's, I mean, there are videos of it constantly of people literally walking into stores, grabbing stuff off of the shelf and walking out. Yeah. And there's video of them. And they're yeah. videoing themselves doing it. And they're like yeah. live streaming themselves doing it. And my brain And it's not
0: paper clips. It's like whole shelves of Nike's and, you know, it's it's insane.
2: I know. I just wanted the color it was it was a pla- it was probably like a plastic container the size of like a business card and about an inch thick and it had rainbow paper clips. And I just thought the rainbow paper clips were the coolest thing ever and I had mm-hmm. to have them and I wasn't my mom wasn't going to give them to me, so I took them. It was a horrible thing, I know. But I felt shame for that. And now I see, like you said, people are coming in and just taking armloads arm of like clothing and walking out or whatever. Don't you feel shame for that?
0: Yeah, it's... it's oh, yeah, sure. I don't know. I, I don't but know then what, people turn
2: around on. and say, well, it's, it's the, the corporations that you know price gouge and this, that, and the next thing. And yes, to a certain extent, that is true. They're, the corporations are price gouging and stuff, but at the same time, like, I I don't know. I, I I understand that I'm in a privileged position to be able to say that, but I just, I don't get it. And I don't understand why there are people who will double down when they have been handed and shown unequivocal proof of wrongdoing. They'll double down. Um, do you know who Jared Kleppner is?
0: No. No. Uh,
2: he does... Uh, I think I'm getting his name right. He does the thing for The Daily Show where uh, he's. it's called like Fingering the Pulse or something funny like that. And all
0: right. Oh, Jordan, Jordan Klepper. Jordan,
3: yeah. yes. Yeah, Jordan yeah, yeah. Klep, Thank yeah. you,
2: not Jared. Yeah. My, my apologies. Yeah, and so he goes around and he will interview all these different people at rallies.
4: Yeah, it's amazing. And... Stuff.
2: and the other life the other world that these people have to live in to to say the things that they say like yeah. I mean I don't know if you're familiar with it Ben but Dave nope. you've obviously seen, yeah, you yeah. know you've seen these these statements that people make
0: yeah it's just, it's just it's there's a complete disconnect from reality and and then you kind of look at it and you go well what's what is their reality what what are they living in I mean they there's a there's a touch of you know moral panic going on with them all the time you know because they are terrified of everybody you know everybody's out to either abduct their children make them gay um, take their guns you know there's this they're just is living this really in, it like here that kind of stuff yeah it's like they go to they go to like Republican conventions or Trump rallies or you know this kind of stuff and and jordan right. kind of inserts himself in into the crowd and nobody knows who he is cuz nobody okay. watches the daily show like none of that crowd will watch the daily show you know right. so he asks them straight up questions you know and he, he kind of plays along with them like he's a supporter you know okay okay but then you know it's not that he pulls the rug out from under them but he just kind of shows them to, to the to his audience for what they are you know right um and they have absolutely you're right they've absolutely no shame like they will just say whatever they want because they they think they're they're right
2: you know um, like he had said something about when I think it was one of the, when they I don't know if they had had said the first indictment but they were talking about the first indictment and he you know was talking to somebody and this woman's like well that's what you heard he's like no that's that's what, Are you serious? That's what's being reported. Yeah. Like well, who's fact reporting it and
1: acting like it's not real?
2: Yeah, well, this is this is like a t- this is a very tame example.
1: Okay, Jesus.
2: But but he said, you know, they're going to Jack Jack Smith or whoever is going to do an indictment. Well, that's what you heard. Well, no, that's what they're reporting. Who's reporting it? CNN, oh NBC. Well, see, that's the thing. You're talking about CNN and NBC and CBS. Mm-hmm. I get my news from other sources.
4: Yeah. The mainstream media,
2: people. Yeah. And it's just, it really is. It's like, are you contacting the aliens and they, are mm. they like giving like, and it's like Q, there are people that are in QAnon that will go so far as to think that there are lizard people. Yeah. And then there are people in Q, no, I'm being serious. And I know I've heard these. Yeah, yeah. that will go, that will only just think, Oh, well, there's a, there's a secret cabal of pedophiles in the, you know, in the democratic convention or something like that. Yeah, Like, it's just, it's just really so, so very strange. Mm-hmm. It and, reminds uh, me
0: of the the kind of eighties satanic panic years, you know, yes, that was kind yes. of a thing over here as well. Cause there was this kind of Catholic. Well, Judas priests, and evangelical and, yeah. kind of movement here, yeah. you know, and, uh, and certainly like I, I got a front row seat to it um through through members of my family who were who, who were kind of into that stuff. And it was there was always like my interpretation of it was there was there was always something to be afraid of, you know, and that's what kept yeah. people controlled.
2: Well, that's how you keep power, yeah, yeah. is is yeah. you create a boogeyman. Had you ever seen the film The Village by uh oh, Yeah, mm Yeah. Mm-hmm think about that that's how you kept control yeah. over over the people is you gave them a boogeyman you gave them some, someone to fear you gave them something to fear
3: yeah.
2: and that's and if you want to talk about like what's really going on that's what's really going on it's literally just straight up psychology
1: yeah it's it's um, leader stuff it's it's i mean it's it's so dangerous yeah. you know keep
0: keep them scared they they'll, mm-hmm. they'll look for a protector they'll look for someone to you know, to vote for that will, you know, keep them safe and
2: well, cult of personality. I think that's what they call it.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Man. yeah.
2: You know, that kind of thing. And, and, you know, like you look at like Jim Jones yeah. and, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, there, there are times when I'm like, wow, these people are so off, like just off the tracks with their thought processes. And I just, I just don't understand any of it. And there's no and there's no logic to it, because even when you when you show them empirical evidence, even like we were talking about Peter Parker being like a science based character, even when you Mm -hmm. show them actual science, they will tell you that it's a lie or they will tell you that you're misinformed. And I'm just like, my brain just melts. Having these conversations
1: like, like, how do you have them? Like, You, you, you kind of can't. I think as soon as you meet that wall, you realize you're in a conversation with someone who's just not going to take anything other than what their what their truth is.
2: Like, I, it's I a collective st- side
1: and move on, you know?
2: I mean, there there are people that I have met that, unfortunately, they are in one way or another related to me, that I can't just say, you know, peace out. I'm not going to have a conversation with you. Yeah, but I will, I will be not accommodating. Like mm-hmm. you, you will be at a family function and I will be in the corner having a conversation. And if you approach me, I will not be accommodating to you.
1: It's probably the right way to do it though. I mean, if they, I think the worst thing you can do is, is, is let them away with it, you know, and, and kind of feed into whatever they have. Cause they'll, they, they seem to just kind of run with anything they can do. It's a, uh,
2: well, that's the thing. Is like, you, I don't know if you ever got this advice when you were younger, but oh, uh, ignore your bully and don't give them power. It's like mm-hmm. eh, it doesn't work that way. No. They'll still beat the hell out of you. Um, and I, I think that whether you give their platform oxygen or not, they're going to keep going no matter what. Um,
0: and, yeah, it'll it'll, it, it'll it'll decrease, increase, whatever. But yeah, you're right. They will. They'll always they'll always be there. They'll always have their thing going on.
2: And they'll you, always have some weird thing going on.
0: Do you think he's going to get in?
2: Do, do I think it's he's possible. going in jail or in, in the office again?
1: In the White House office. Yeah. I think he, he could do it. It's not impossible. What do you think?
2: I think that the founders were very uh, short-sighted when they did not put that you uh, can't be a felon and uh i think they were really short-sighted i think the founders were very idealistic thinking that a felon wasn't going to run for president Mm
4: -hmm. yeah Yeah. i think they
2: were very idealistic and very short-sighted and as 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 great as they are i'm one of i am the biggest cynic like i am like al simmons spawn cynical and uh uh i but you know people keep saying that despite all this information that's coming out, it's still a, um, whatchamacallit, it's still a bump, but these are, they all admit like, these are all like, uh, Republican polls that they're taking. So, I mean, it's, it's a little skewed.
0: Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, having, uh, having the, the chief of staff or the, 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 the uh, the white house being run from from a prison, um in in 2024 would be interesting look
2: up george yeah. santos google george santos oh
0: man we we know all about george yeah mm.
2: yeah so there you yeah. go that's that's another i mean there's no there is no law that states that you cannot be a member of congress and be in prison at the same time
0: yeah yeah it's fucking nuts it's just yeah it's like lex Luthor is i know, can't
2: reconcile it
0: yeah mm. it, it's, I don't know, like, I don't know where it ends, you know, masters of evil, yeah. to evil you know, gentlemen too evil.
2: I'm looking We're forward to our mustache. sketch yeah. when,
0: when when the, uh, when the writer's strike is over, I'm looking forward to the SNL uh, sketch of, uh, you know, the, the founders sitting around going, what if somebody's, you know, in jail, could they still run? And they'd be like, nah, no, that'll never why happen. Yeah. Uh, why? How could that
1: happen? You know?
2: Because you people know. would have shame yeah exactly yeah. there's no oh, shame man. anymore
1: that's what we need we need a bit more shame a just bit to more, keep shame, everyone a bit in more guilt yeah. Yeah. a bit more guilt yeah. you know
0: oh that's,
2: those, a uh, scene, yeah. 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 that's a good Catholic you.
3: yeah, yeah. Man. <laughs> that's the awesome. good
2: Republican Catholics Republican yeah. with a small r yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> a good
0: kind of Republican all right Erica I think we'll leave it there Um, before <laughs> we go for hours where eight can people find you if you want uh, to be found,
2: if I well it depends. Are you serving me papers? No, no, no. Um, no. <laughs> I can be found on all social medias at Erica Schultz forty two, and on Instagram at Erica Schultz Writes um, My website is ericashultswrites dot com. Um, I'm still on Twitter, strangely enough, uh, but I'm also on Blue Sky and Mastodon yeah. and uh, all the other things threads and such and uh yeah that's that's where i can be found i will be found at dragon con at the end of august beginning of september and i will be found at new york comic con in artist alley and dragon con i'll be in also being an artist alley
1: awesome okay do you, do you want to mention books to your your, your um your daredevil book is that out what was the day for daredevil that?
2: comes out daredevil gang war number one mm-hmm. uh with sergio uh devia is uh december um moon Knight. what if dark comes out august 16th uh asm the asm annual came out today august 2nd and um oh wait when is this coming out
1: Next weekish day. Next yeah? week, yeah, yeah, next yeah, week. yeah, perfect. Yeah.
2: I don't know if it's gonna be announced yet. <sighs> okay. All right. All right. I can't say it because I don't know if it's gonna be announced yet.
1: Okay, okay. And I don't no and I don't want to
2: get in trouble. But so
1: but many yeah. to, to check your socials this time next yes, week. Yes, there's other videos.
2: there's other stuff coming out from other publishers and such.
1: Ooh. Excellent. Love a good mystery. <laughs> We'll leave it there. Thanks very much. That was brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, you so
2: much for having me. Thank you.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Odds Pod. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Look out for the odds coming soon from Scout Comics. And please tell us what your favorite apocalypse is. You can find me on Twitter at Bennessey. That's B-E-N-N-E-S-S-Y. And me
0: on at Dave Hendrick. Big thanks to our producer, Adrian Carvey, and we'll see you at the end of the world.